the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. You and I have known each other for pushing 30 years. A long time. And uh, we've seen each other move from the college days to the working days to the family days to the what's next days. And one of the things that came up for me was I've been very frugal my whole life. I was raised in a middle class family who was very frugal. My dad had my mom on an allowance, which is crazy to think about how a sexist it was and be just wrong. She had to raise six kids on like something like $200 a month. So when Rob would go, ma'am, I want a cookie that came out of her budget. Um, so anyway, I'm not crying poor, I'm not doing anything like that, but I recently decided I was going to splurge and it's not a midlife crisis, but it kind of feels like a midlife crisis. Maybe it is a midlife crisis. I got a second home and you and I went through the whole process of, is it going to be a rental? Is it not going to be a rental? Is it going to be close? Is it not going to be close? I started thinking about a second home years ago in my early 30s when I visited Hawaii. And I was like, this would be great to have a home here. And then you start thinking about it. You're like, it would be a nightmare to have a home in Hawaii because you want to go, but it's a five-hour flight. It's not a cheap flight. And then you get a little island crazy after a week anyway. Tired of the Spam. Spam. So I got a place in Truckee. And I was boiling it down between Truckee and Tahoe. And in my 20s, I came to the Bay Area. And I remember going to Tahoe during the winter with a girlfriend. And it was intoxicating. She was beautiful. The weather was beautiful. The snow was beautiful. The passion was there. So I think in my head, I was like, I want to own a place in Tahoe. But then I started factoring in when looking at a place, you and I, and uh, we did a lot of research. So, and uh, I got a realtor. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Tahoe wasn't right for me. I kind of learned because I want it Tahoe, but not necessarily my family. Um, kids want pools. Kids want trails. Kids want snow. Kids want hot tubs. They don't really care about the view of a lake when it's snowing. And for some reason, I'm now, I just figured it out. I'm that old poop. I'm Henry Fonda. On Golden Pond. I want to live on a pond. I want to live on a lake. I want to see it snow on a lake. But darn tootin'. that's me now. <laughs> so a good realtor was able to say, you know, what are you looking for? And uh, went through that whole process of Truckee over Tahoe. And now I, I hate it because I'm a Truckee person. I'm one of those people that everyone in Tahoe hates because they come up from San Francisco and they get a place. And second homes are, are abundant. I was recently there, and I was there on a Thursday and Friday, and I don't think anyone was home. If you drive by 100 homes, there's like three three cars. So it's kind of nice, though. 
Well, you got through the hardest part, and that is you actually made the decision to do it. Yeah. Uh, most people, uh, there's a lot of people just sitting on the sidelines thinking about that. Oh, we go to Hawaii, we go to Cabo, we go to Vegas or wherever they go. And they kind of go, why are we spending money on this vacation when we could, you know, is, should we get a timeshare or should we get a, a second home slash vacation home? Uh, and a lot of people, they just sit there and they don't, they don't actually make the decision. They, they never run the numbers or they don't have the money or they have, can't figure out how it works or they can't all collaborate. And I think you, you did the. You did all of that leading up to the whole searching. The searching part was easy, right? When you, Not when you really. think about it. Not really. Because yeah. you go to like Kings Beach and like the first time I ever went to Tahoe, I went stayed in Kings Beach. So it was burned in my head like this is fun and sexy. Yeah, but other than the fact that of uh, eliminating what's, what did you want a beach vacation home? Did you want something in the mountains? Did you, right, you absolutely. Know, something on, just on the hillside but you start, or on a pond? But the experience of figuring out which community, like Incline, I think it's overrated. Yeah, you know, your the realtor Wade, he helped a lot. Um he asked the right questions. You you responded back with the right answers. Um you involved the family and you ended up with the right property. And what you do with that afterwards is is completely up to you. You can actually turn that into a rental if you wanted or a vacation rental or you can just use it personalize it and use it on your own. Um, and I think that's the great thing about your position. Not everybody can be in that position where they go, I might actually need some income from this property for it to work. I don't want to spend 30000 or $40,000 a year to own this property and only use it five times a year. Let me rent it out for the remainder of that time. And, sure. Um, oh, hefty fees, though. 25 30% for property management fees for vacation, vacation rentals. Um, a lot of people go towards Airbnb or they use VRBO. Um, and that becomes another job. So you really kind of have to budget that in there. And I think you were fortunate that you didn't have, you don't have to worry about it in the first year, but you might start thinking about it later as you figure out how your schedule works at the property. Something like that. Um, but again, it was a process and it's funny because obviously I've been saying for years when I turned 50, I'm gonna get a Tesla. And then I just saw too many Teslas on the road and I saw too many guys wearing white pants driving Teslas and they're all not my kind of people. And that's the best way of saying that without getting into trouble or going to talk to the manager today. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a midlife crisis. I've actually figured something out, which is kind of crazy. You know, I, I talk openly that my dad was kind of an alcoholic and not there for me. And not supportive, but he was, I mean, I had clothes and I had things that I needed. So I, I can't really complain. I wasn't battered. Uh, I wasn't fried. I was battered, but never fried. Um, I had 11 essential spices and herbs, the special kernels mixture. My dad was a colonel. Um, that's neither here nor there. So I remembered like, even when I went on vacations as a kid to Myrtle beach or to nags head or wherever, my dad was always a, just a jerk. So I think it wasn't a midlife crisis. I think it was just me going back to my childhood saying, I want to give my family a nice place to go that they don't have a jerk dad. Is that kind of odd that you come to these realizations that like 45 years after the fact, you're like, I want to get a vacation home for my kids because I didn't have the happy vacation home. So that's kind of odd. So, so anyway, you, you set me up with a guy named Wade because you know, a guy named Chad, um, not the Chad Burton but a firefighter named Chad who basically he just, he was, he's a smart business guy, mm-hmm. Chad. Um, he's made some pretty smart moves. He made moves, mm-hmm. which is, it's, which is a thing to say, but he still listens to the show and he still comes to seminars and uh, what have you. 
Um, so he's, he does investing. He, he believes in other things other than just real estate. But as a firefighter, he, he has that unique situation where you live in the firehouse three or four days, and then you go back to your apartment for three or four days. So he would Airbnb his place on uh, in San Francisco while he was at the firehouse, which was pretty awesome, right? Yeah. And made some money. Yeah. So he decided to, to up and move, and he lives in Kings Beach now. Uh, or pretty close to Kings Beach, uh, and comes back to San Francisco to be a firefighter, um, and then drives back home to be with his wife, and then drives back to San Francisco to be a firefighter. So he's figured it out for himself, and uh, it's all about figuring it out for you, right? So it is. Like I said, that's the hardest part to see how it works for you, um, and that's the saying in real estate. You know, you have to first get through that first hump of deciding to make that uh, purchase. So you can find Tony Mendez at com. He helped me through the process. He can help you through the process. If you want to get a second home, he knows the right people. He knows the right people to meet, and he can help you with a loan in the process. It's not the easiest thing to get done, but it is there. You can find him at com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I worked really hard in my 20s and my 30s, and I kind of forgot about it. And, and then suddenly in my 40s, I'm like, whoa, whoa, when do you, when, wait, 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 when do you get to have fun again? So I don't want to be the guy who works till he dies. I don't want you to be the person who works till they die. I do want you to get out and hang out with friends and family. Um, I kind of like the idea of, of bringing investment ideas to you. Um, I'm not one to really believe in everything that I see. And I won't throw out, oh, I see Bitcoin's going up. I see it going up. Therefore, I'm going to tell you that you should buy it. I want to do some research on it. Um, I do want you to see the world. I do want you to look at the world as you get this one chance. So, and then you might come back as a tapeworm or something horrible, right? A woman recently wrote an article about how she lives on $30,000 a year in San Francisco. And... I know artists who probably make about $30,000 a year and you know maybe they're not getting taxed as much, right? Uh, or percentage-wise. Maybe they're not paying taxes. I don't know. But if you cut out internet, you cut out cable, you cut out Netflix, you cut out a car, could you afford to live like a king? Could you afford to live better? No internet, no cable, no Netflix, no car. A good old-fashioned phone plan that's not unlimited. A good old-fashioned phone that's four or five years old. Could you live off $30,000? So when I first got to the Bay Area about 20 years ago, there was a lot more artists and longtime residents and artisans. And you know they kind of mingled with the tech entrepreneurs. Now it's just tech entrepreneurs or engineers. So two-bedroom apartment with $3,000. And that can wipe out your $30,000. But there was an actress who went on uh, a radio show recently, and she talked about how like she she's on a family phone plan. She was very careful not to say her family phone plan, where she shares two, gigs, uh, two gigabytes of data with four people. She says she has a flip phone instead of a smartphone, so she never runs into that data issue. 
Um, she's in a rent-controlled one-bedroom apartment that she got back in 1996 for $500. So rent control to me is the golden handcuff. Because once you leave, it's going to get jacked up. And if you're a landlord, you're like, I wish this person would just leave. Because <laughs> that one bedroom is probably now 3000 right? And you probably have to hold a lot of jobs if you're going to try to live off $30,000. Because you're really trying to make ends meet. Uh, maybe you want to get a job hostessing or waiting tables. So you get some of the food there, so to speak. I don't think I could live off $30,000 in San Francisco. I think I could live like a king on $30,000 in Louisiana. But I find that to be very telling. I don't know if you do, but I do. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Marriage, debt, uh, travel, things like big shifts in technology from... um, media companies. You know, when we first saw Napster, we're like, oh, how great. I can get all the music that I used to listen to in my 20s. I'm going to just, oh, I've got keys, Elton John, and like you're downloading. Like You have no remorse. No remorse initially when it came out. And then you're seeing companies like Toys R Us got a business, and you're like, was that because of Napster and Amazon and everything being digitized? And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But you see kind of a, it's no longer Elton John on the end of that download. Oh, he's a millionaire. He doesn't need it anyway. Now you're seeing 30,000 jobs disappear. Right? 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 Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, One thing that I do that is pretty interesting advice is I call my insurance company. I have two car insurance companies that I've used in the last 25 years. One of them is USAA. My father was in the military. And one of them is Geico. Um, I find those to be the two best. I don't need State Farm. I don't need Nationwide. I don't need a local car insurance guy that my daddy's daddy's daddy was friends with. Well, I knew your daddy's daddy's granddaddy. That that, that kind of relationship doesn't mean anything. I want it digitized. So, like, Geico, believe it or not, and you can even go as far as, like, companies like AOL, where whether it's a a car insurance company or whether it's uh, an internet service company with some content, they kind of started changing the world before Napster with call centers and moving call centers around. Call centers used to be, you know, we could count on Texas, right? And they suddenly were like in Louisiana and suddenly they were in India. They were like, oh. And then suddenly we got mad. And then these Indian call centers suddenly were being trained to use Texas accents. <laughs> and it's like, seriously, seriously, these are the problems America faces. And the answer is pretty much so. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So yeah, I have two car companies, car insurance companies, and I call them every year on my birthday. And I say, how much is it for car insurance? And they're like, did you have any accidents this year? No. They're like, well, we could save $125. If you got multiple policies, you can do this, you can do that, you can do that. On average, Americans spend about $125 for car insurance. Do you know what you are? We pay about $1,500 on an annual rate. Um, Ohio pays the least as far as the state goes. And Michigan pays the most. And last time I looked at my U.S. maps and geography slides, aren't those kind of like right next to each other? You would 
think that they would have similar prices in insurance for similar cars because like similar weather conditions, similar roads, similar mountains, but no, Michigan's different than Ohio. And the average American spends about $1,500 a year. So shop around, save some dollars, save some dollars, save some dollars, invest some dollars. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black show, Twitter, Rob Black show, YouTube, Rob Black show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. There was a day and age that Intel ruled the world of semiconductors. And not so much. It's interesting to note how things have changed. There's companies like Apple who do their own semiconductors. Facebook is doing their own semiconductors. That's when you go, what? You get the ARM processors. They're pretty dominant in smartphones. Then you get companies like Qualcomm. So Intel ain't that in a bucket of chicken anymore like they used to be because, you know, the PC was the platform and now the mobile phone is the platform. And companies like Facebook, they built their business model on being the platform of the PC. And then, like, whoops, we better pay attention to this mobile thing. And they did it fast. So large tech companies are designing their own in-house semiconductors. Alphabet's Google has built its own parts for machine learning. The TPU, as it's being called. Uh, they think it could do better machine learning than Intel's microprocessor or NVIDIA's GPU. So Google's doing it. Facebook has been creating some machine learning and artificial intelligence semiconductor intellectual property. So there's a post on Facebook's page to recruit an engineer who's an electrical engineer who can do chip design. So Barron's did a story back in 2015, which I like Barron's a lot. I think it's a investment magazine that you should read. And again, will it eat into your baseball time? Will it eat into your time at the park with the kids? Will it eat into your exercise? Yeah, but if you want to become a good investor, I think it's something you have to do. So Facebook did an article inside Barron's back in 2016, and the title was, Watch Out, Intel, Here Comes Facebook. Facebook has commissioned custom chips in the past for handling communications in its server computers. Something that Zuckerberg is not quite known for is the open architecture interface that he wants to be put in place for servers and server farms. Facebook is receptive to Intel or any other vendor making its neural network processor, but so far no one's delivered, so they want to do it themselves. And again, it just I try to introduce themes here like, yeah, people don't smoke as much as they used to. Then we started exporting it to other countries and had some growth, and then that growth kind of started to dry up. Same thing with Coca-Cola. Back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, heck, you know, all of it was American to be a Coca-Cola drinker. Now you look at someone giving a Coke to a nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid, and you're almost like, that's child abuse. I'm going to report you to the authorities. Like, it's just a Coke. I grew up on this stuff. Sugar water. Exactly. And then you try to get the, you know, the pieces of the puzzle that you could put together and the business models ideas that I'm showing you, like, Amazon Prime's numbers are both stunning and unsurprising. Um, 100 million Prime users is a pretty big round number. And uh, it tells you that the business is good. 
Um, because when you use a service like Trash that you pay a subscription for, I need Trash to come 12 times a year. No, you need Trash to come once a week, right? So you say, I'm going to pay you 52 times or once a month. And the trash company goes out and builds trucks and hires trash people, and they come and you use it. So when you have Amazon Prime, in theory, you use it because you're paying $99 for it. And even if you're you're like financially just a screw up, you still look at it and go, "That's ninety nine dollars. I got I got to be careful in this." Analysts from Wall Street predicted that Apple had about one hundred four million total Prime users at the end of two thousand seventeen because Bezos didn't break out the U.S. portion of the Prime base, but they're now starting to become a little bit more transparent. There are one hundred twenty six million households in the United States, according to the census. Apparently, fifty five percent of them subscribe to Prime. Analysts expect U.S. Prime membership to grow another 16% this year to $81.3 million. So their TV business isn't bad. It's not Netflix, but it's certainly not bad. And uh, they'll continue to throw money at it because getting you to subscribe on a regular basis is what they want. Makes sense, right? Twitter's bet on video is starting to pay off. And when you think of Twitter, you start thinking like controversy, right? How many bits can you put on a line? 140 characters. And you're like, not enough, too much, not enough. Trump's, why does Trump um, put in capital letters words that are random? Like, he doesn't do it. It's, it's not for emphasis. It's just random, it seems like. And we, we get obsessed with Twitter. But now we're saying, as Twitter was a takeover candidate years ago, we're now kind of like starting to think like, while they were kind of like burning, they were starting to think of some business models, including live video. It helped users discover what's happening now. There's plenty of skeptics who said the battered company couldn't compete with deeper-pocketed companies like Facebook, yet Twitter has carved out a niche in the noisy world of video content. And they do recaps, for instance, of Game of Thrones, National Football League highlights. It's attracted big advertisers, including Goldman Sachs and AT&T, which are the creme de la creme of commercial ads. So Twitter's also serving up video ads in the timeline. So Twitter is still dwarfed by Facebook. We all know that. That's not going to change anytime soon. And they're struggling to grow beyond 30 million active users, monthly active users. Again, so how many subscribers do you have that pay every month? In this case, it's how many people come visit. So Apple and Twitter, not Apple, Amazon, no, Facebook and Twitter have a business model on how many times do you visit? How many times can we tell advertisers that these X amount of people have seen your ads? So company says the video advertising at Twitter is its biggest ad format and grew its percentage revenue of the company larger in the last year. So a lot of people gave up on Twitter. I, I own no Twitter. I don't want to own Twitter. Um, I look at the world as like uh, if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, how many good looking models can you have on a boat, right? You can go blonde, you can go brunette, you can go redhead, you can go tall, you can go skinny, you can go fat, you can go some big bone, you can go athletic. Like at some point in time, you, you have enough. And same thing with stocks. I don't need Twitter because there's other stocks that I would rather have that may have a better risk reward profile. But they have shown, and we have to give them a little credit that they can do live broadcasting and live streaming in a visceral, raw, and powerful way. And uh, we're consuming more goods. 
Twitter managed to snag the rights to live stream the NFL's Thursday night football games in 2016 for $10 million. The company lacks the funds to continue spending on expensive licensing deals like that. But adding it to their BuzzFeed, adding it to, you know, esports tournaments and, you know, kind of tinkering with what eyeballs were seeing and who came and who was a, a viewer of that kind of content, they're pulling together a lot of data on us and they're pulling a lot of data on how to do this right in the future. So do people want to see on their video, you know, a goal from a soccer game or do people want to see an announcement of Zuckerberg in front of Congress? So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about money invested in more. NBA Video Game League to stream exclusively on Amazon's Twitch. I know you're saying, say that slowly, because did I, you just say that the NBA is going to be on Amazon's Twitch? So what's Amazon's Twitch? Amazon's Twitch broadcast video games. You can watch other people play video games. It's kind of like the concept of birds, where Mama Bird will go out and get a worm and chew it up and drop it in baby's mouth. You could, instead of playing a video game and get good at it, you could watch other people play it. 17 teams competing in a video game league of basketball. So there's a basketball video, video basketball. So all those times that you were young and your mom said, video games have no future. Well, th- there's jobs in that future. And uh, all the NBA franchises have their own video game sister company. Because people are paying good eyeballs with it. The NBA 2K League, a joint venture between Take-Two Interactive and the NBA is going to live stream all the video basketball games through Twitch. That's as many as 199 games throughout the season, including tournaments, playoffs, and the finals games will also be free on demand after their conclusion. Twitch has 15 million active daily users. Now, again, we keep coming back to this. Twitch is a free service, 15 million users. It's just like, you know, uh, Facebook, where how many eyeballs can you tell advertisers? Now, if you're watching a video game, what are you likely to buy? Maybe a pizza, maybe a video game, maybe an Xbox, maybe a vacation. Because video games aren't made for 12 to you know 16-year-old kids anymore. You're seeing grown adults play NBA and video games and NBA, NHL hockey games. And these are now real, they're being treated like real sports. 17 of the NBA's 30 franchises, including the New York Knicks, Golden State Warriors, have signed up for the inaugural season in the league. So I could be like the greatest video game player, and I can make Steph Curry jump even faster and stronger and further. It's a lot to get a concept around, but eyeballs are watching. That means advertisers and dollars are going to be pursuing. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm not trying to be a downer in any way, shape, or form. Let me give you an upper real quick. I just watched two betta fish. And um, the life cycle of a betta fish. It's kind of the thing that I love about YouTube is you honestly can cancel cable if you've got a good internet connection. And are willing to say, I don't need to watch Roseanne ever again. Because I don't need sitcoms. Wait, she lost her show? Okay, off topic. I know, right? Um, So the complete betta fish life cycle. It's pretty fascinating. You can kind of see the male's got um, a little bit more color. 
and I could be calling it completely wrong, but you know, he, he courts her by basically smelling her fins. I don't know. I, I you can see that I'm much better at money, right? Anatomy and biology and fishology, not my strong point. But at some point in time, she says yes, because you know he's not the Harvey Weinstein of beta fishes. And he goes in to kiss her, it looks like. And she gets on her back. She's floating on her back. And she gets paralyzed. And, like, she gets mesmerized. And out drops an egg. And you're like, whoa. I thought he was just hugging her or kissing her. I thought she was dying because she's, she's not moving. She's on her back. She's floating upside down. And then out comes this egg, like I said. And guess what happens? He eats the egg! So guess what happens after that? Five more eggs, ten more eggs, fifteen more eggs. He eats them all! Because he doesn't want to be beta fish daddy to like 50 young beta fish or 100 young beta fish. He can't afford that. He can't put enough, you know, food in their mouths. That's terrible. Or whatever beta fishes do. And I know some people will say, it's critically announced beta fish. Like, you beta fish. Like, I beta fish. So there's, there's hundreds of these little things. Now, it only takes a couple days for these things to like turn into little babies. So after my divorce and death statement, I'm going with the um, happiness of beta fish mating. And some people eat their children in the world of beta fish. Are you crazy? They, you better grow fast, otherwise daddy's going to eat you. Which could give a kid a nightmare, right? Or two. But man, love is beautiful. And it happens in so many different ways. And beta fish love is uniquely beautiful. And... You know, the sex is kind of PG. So it's one of the coolest videos you'll ever see, though. If you ever get a chance to just Google beta fish and type in the complete beta fish life cycle in three minutes. And you'll go, man, I think I can give up cable. I'm with Rob on this one. Okay, so let's change topics. Let's talk about the run-up in home prices. It's not sustainable. And I love stories like this and ideas like this. This is according to an economist who happens to work for a housing company. Home values have been rising for six straight years. And it gets us to the point of like, whoa, I've made a lot of money in the last six years. Even though it's paper money, if you were to sell it today, you have questions about taxes and you have questions about where you're going to live. But you go, I've made a lot of money. Home value has been rising for six straight years. And they did that in the late 90s and early 2000s as well. And then they didn't. And then they went down 40, 50%. And sometimes, six, seven, eight years later, we're like, whoa, we just got back to that level. So we're, we're enjoying the good now. But we forgot we had been this fat before. The continuing run-up in home prices above the pace of income growth is simply not sustainable. Did I say that or did Lawrence Wan say that? chief economist from the National Association of Realtors. He did. He said the continuing run-up in home prices above the pace of income growth is simply not sustainable. That's a good business lesson. And like you can look at Facebook and say they give away a product for free, but then they sell a lot of demographic information about you to advertisers. And you can say, that's not cool. But then again, do you think someone in South Africa, uh, Somewhere, someone in Ethiopia who's incredibly poor, do they have access to YouTube and access to the internet without things like you know free Facebook apps 
and free YouTube apps, would they have the chance to see the world, to get you know access to the world's greatest libraries? And then so you know someone like Apple can look at Facebook and go, "You breached your 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 the trust of your your patrons," you know, and then. Facebook will come back and go, yeah, but we also don't charge $700 to $1,000 for a phone, which the guy in Ethiopia will never be able to afford. We give them a service that if, for some reason, he is able to afford a phone, he gets great benefits. So on one hand, you can go, Apple's a better company. On the other hand, you can say Facebook's a pretty good company because they truly do put an application that has, has incredible power of unlocking knowledge into your hands. And then, of course, there's other people, you know, like Google, who does kind of a combination of everything. And then you get people like Netflix who, yeah, they'll, they'll give you great TV, but you have to pay 10 bucks a month, which the guy in Ethiopia is never going to be able to do. So as mortgage interest rates move higher, we're going to see housing get less affordable, and we're going to forget about it. And we're going to stop thinking about arguments and business arguments. But the continuing run-up in home prices above the pace of income growth is simply not sustainable. That's a good business lesson. Apple has their business lessons where privacy is king. Facebook has their business lessons where giving someone power is king. Don't get too caught up. Always push to to think about where we are. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.